turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 118. Psalm 118, and we're going to read a very familiar verse, a very simple verse, but a very um, profound verse in many ways, and one that has been a real help to me, especially lately. Psalm 118, we'll just read verse 24 for now. This is the day which the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen. Psalm 118.24, one of the very first verses you probably ever learned when you were a child. It comes up often in songs. It's quoted a lot. But we don't want to take it for granted. We really don't want to understand what it's saying and what it has for us to put a foundation under our feet for today. Because that's what it's talking about. So what I want to do is just walk through this verse, break it apart, look at it in its various parts, and then draw some, some implications from that as we go. Number one, this is the day. So as we walk through this verse, we're going to look at various truths, but what is essential that we understand this morning is our time frame. What are we talking about? Because there's sometimes when there's messages or there's truths that you learned that may be helpful, but they're not helpful for right now. There may be something about a trial or there may be something, some specific teaching about the Word of God that's very helpful. Like, for instance, if you're single and you hear a message on marriage, well, there's part of that that can probably be applied today, but there's part of it that's going to be need to be filed away till a further date. And there's a few things like that in the Christian life, but this is not one of them. The time frame for this verse is very important today. Today. And that's very simple, but it's at the heart of a lot of trouble in the Christian life. There are very few people who live many todays. What happens is we end up living a lot of yesterdays, and we end up living a lot of tomorrows, but we rarely ever find ourselves throughout an entire day entering into what is the Lord doing today? What are the truths that are applicable today? Often we can let ourselves go ahead to the future to worry. What is this going to happen? You know, what's going to happen in this situation right here? I know this is coming up. How am I going to do it? And we spend all of our mental energies thinking about tomorrows. Or, you go the other way, regrets of the past. I regret that I did this, I know that this happened, and then you jump to the future, I wonder what's going to happen because that happened yesterday. And we spend a lot of our time thinking about yesterday and all of its problems, or thinking about tomorrow and all of its problems. But this verse grounds us firmly in the only day we have. And that is today. Christ warned us about this. Very simple verse, very profound, but really, don't you keep coming back to the simple verses in the Christian life? You can, we can talk about all of this big stuff and a lot of stuff that's hard to understand, but at the end of the day, when you walk out to work, or when you wake up in the morning, or you go to school, or you wake up to help your kids, a lot of times it's these simple verses that are the most helpful. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Well, here's another one. Seek first 
His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow. I mean, you're talking the Sermon on the Mount. Christ has a very confined space that He's about to speak the most profound sermon ever heard and that ever will be heard. And in the space of a couple of chapters, He finds it a big enough issue that He includes this in what He's going to say. Do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He brings us back to today. And that is so essential. It is so, we have to fight for that. And the, the pattern of this world is that you live in yesterday or you worry about tomorrow. But the Bible comes to us and says in Romans 12, Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul is saying, listen, there are grooves that the world runs in. And you are going to have to spend time in the Word of God renewing your mind about what's important and how your mind should operate. Garrett already quoted the verse from Colossians. Set your mind on things of above. Paul is saying, listen, the world's going to be saying this. Take your mind and set it. Gauge it. Calibrate it to what the Word of God says. And what the Word of God says often about our thought life, he brings us back to today. If he takes you to yesterday, it's unanimous every time, he's walking through what happened with Christ, or he's walking through the Exodus. If you want to think about yesterday, the thing to think about is God's history of redemption. He's like, all right, if you want to go to the past, let's talk about the past. Let's not talk about what you've done. Let's just go back and start walking through what God's done. Or if you want to talk about tomorrow, he'll go not to, what are we, Sunday? Yes, of course we're on Sunday, I'm preaching. He'll not go to uh, Monday or Tuesday. He goes all the way up to this time when Christ comes back and says, look, he's coming back. You can surrender your life. You can lay it all down because he is going to come and vindicate us one day. Those are the three points, basically, that God has When he takes our minds to a place, he'll take you to yesterday and the redemption that's occurred. He'll take you and ground you in today and the truths that you must believe that he's done. Or he'll bring you into tomorrow about what's going to happen when Christ comes back. But it's very important for our our present text to look at our time frame of what we're talking about. It is today. How much time have you spent today? How much time have you spent in focusing on the day. Well, we are talking about the present. Well, we've established that we're talking about today. What should we know about today? There are two things that he says that we should know about today in this verse. Number one, that it was made. And number two, that it was made by the Lord. By the Lord. Very important truths. He says, this is the day that the Lord has made. So let's break that down. Who made this day? The Lord is the maker of this day. And again, this is very important because the, the psalmist here assumes that when you find out it's the Lord who made this day, it is going to send you rejoicing. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And throughout this psalm, there's a lot of rejoicing. And this makes sense to us when we think about it. Um, when you receive something, uh, a lot of times your level of happiness and rejoicing is going to be based off of who built it, 
How was it constructed? For instance, if I came to you this morning and I said, you know, congratulations, we want to congratulate you. A house has been built for you and you are free to move in. Well, you'd probably be pretty excited. Then you say, well, who built it? Well, if I said, well, actually, I built it. Now, the ones that are laughing know enough about me to know that you don't necessarily want me building your house. You'd probably want to wear a hard hat just to walk through the front door. But if I said, Jim Gates built your house, let's get the U-Haul, right? The builder of the house, the skill of the builder, the personality of the builder, all these things surrounded the, bu the builder of something dictates how excited you are to receive something, how excited this thing that you have, it governs all that. And that's why the psalmist is saying, this is the day that the Lord has made. God made you something. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's look at who this creator is. Who is the Lord? That's why it's so important to know who the Lord is. Look in verses, uh, look all the way back in verse 1. In Psalm 118. Because by the time we get to verse 24, a lot has gone on in this psalm. And a lot of what has gone on is this very thing of who is the Lord? Who is the maker of this day? Listen to verses 1 through 4. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let Israel say, His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let the house of Aaron say, His loving kindness is everlasting. Oh, let those who fear the Lord say, His loving kindness is everlasting. Well, if that wasn't enough... Skip all the way to the very end of the psalm, verse 29. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His loving kindness is everlasting. What do you think the psalmist wants you to know about the Lord? He's good, and His loving kindness is everlasting. The bookends that surround this text in Psalm 118, 24 that the Lord has made you a day, the bookends, the context of this is that God is good and His loving kindness is everlasting. And that is essential. That is something that we have to do, what Paul told us to do. He said, transform your mind, renew your mind by bringing it back to what is true about God. His loving kindness is everlasting. Oftentimes in our life, the first thing that goes out the window when trials come, when we're having a bad day, when we're not measuring up, there can be a myriad of ways that this has happened, but one of the first things that goes out of our mind is the goodness of God. You can get under it. You can get under this dark cloud. And this cloud blocks this sunshine of God's love on you. You don't see it anymore. And the temptation is to say, because I don't feel it, it's not there. And I want to tell you something. You are not going to get very far in the Christian life without a foundation under your feet that God is good and His loving kindness is everlasting. It is bigger than you. Aren't you glad that the loving kindness of God is based on something outside of your present circumstances? It's based on something outside of you. It's like a shadow. It's like, 
there's this garden and there's maybe some trees standing there and they're blocking the sun and the sun's shining and all of a sudden as the sun's moving throughout the day the sun moves over and it casts the shadow over the garden well it doesn't mean that the sun left the sun's still back there and that's the way it is with God's love and His loving kindness is oftentimes something will come up, a circumstance. It can be just about anything and all of a sudden a doubt in our mind is cast on whether God's loving kindness is really actually everlasting or whether perhaps He is a little bit standoffish. And it's in those moments that you have to say no. And you go back to a psalm like this where he starts with God's loving kindness is everlasting. He's good. And he ends with that. God's loving kindness is everlasting and he is good. And then he grounds you in the present and says this is the day that that God has made. The God of unending loving kindness. But he goes on, verse 5, he says, From my distress I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a large place. Who is the maker of this day? A God who hears prayer and who answers. How about verse 6? The Lord is for me. I will not fear what can man do to me. Who is the maker of this day that you're in? The God who is for you. Remember that from Romans too, don't you? If God be for us, who can be against us? Listen to this in verse 7. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look in satisfaction on those who hate me. And again in verse 13. You pushed me violently so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. Who is the maker of this day? Your helper. A helper. Someone who can come into circumstances where he talks about the violent. He talks about all these in verse 10, these nations that are surrounding me. These people that are bearing down on him that it looks like no one can stop. Who is the maker of this day? A God who can stop them. A God who controls all things. Who is uncontested in his sovereignty. That is the maker of this day. He goes on in verses 8 through 9. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. The maker of this day is a refuge. He's your refuge from the storms and from trials. So the maker of this day, and we could go on through this, but just to reemphasize this, the maker of this day is a God of grace and loving kindness who is in control. It is essential to go back and to have in your mind, when I read the Lord, who are we talking about? Who are we talking about? And this is who He is. A God of unending loving kindness who is good, who controls all things. So that is the creator of this day. Well, what about the creation of this day? How was this day made? How was this day made? How did it come about that sinful people like us, if you are a Christian, can enjoy the unending loving kindness of God? And the answer that's given in this text in the context is, this day was made through the work of Christ. And I want to show this to you. Look back here in some context, verses, starting in verses 22 You'll recognize this text because it's quoted in the New Testament. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. 
This is the day that the Lord has made. You see the connection there? He quotes this, this uh, psalm, he quotes this verse right here that's often used in the New Testament to talk about the work of Christ. And he says, this is the Lord's doing. And then in 24, this is the day that the Lord has made. In both cases, he's talking about something that's happened and he's tying them together. The day was made by what the Lord did when he made Christ the chief cornerstone. This is talking about our salvation. Let me just read for you. This, the, actually, this verse, this, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, is quoted or alluded to at least seven times in the New Testament. But I'll just read you one in Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4 and verses 10 through 12. Peter and John are about to be um, arrested because of what happened with the healing of the lame, uh, the lame beggar. And Peter is on trial and he starts preaching. In verse 10 he says, Let it be known to all of you and to the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name in heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. You see the connection here? This whole thing of the, this stone that's rejected that becomes the chief cornerstone, this is talking about the person and work of Christ. And back here in Psalm 118, the connection is this. The connection is that this stone was rejected. It was made the chief cornerstone. Verse 23, God's the one who did this. God is the one who exalted Christ it says he was given over by his predetermined plan to the cross, to die on the cross for our sins. It was marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. What is the day that we live in? It's a gospel day. This is a gospel day. We live in a day of forgiveness and redemption because Christ has died for our sins and has put them away for forever. The foundation of the present moment, the foundation of your experience this day is that Christ reigns at the right hand of the throne of God and that He is an advocate for us. It says we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And everything that's going to come to you today is going to come mediated because of Christ. All that comes to you is that you have God as a helper. No matter what happens today, God is going to be your helper. Because of what Christ has done, like we said, God is for you. He goes on, God is your strength. God is your song. He is your salvation. He is your refuge. Your present experience today will be all of these things because God made a day through the work of Christ. Through the work of Christ. Lastly, look at the command. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad, in, be glad in it. This is a response. This is the only appropriate response to believing that God has made this day. And this is a choice. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. This is something that we must do based on the, 
on faith of everything that's come before this, based on the fact that this is the day that the Lord has made, based off of that fact, we rejoice in it. That's why it's so important to go back to who God is and what He has done. Now, we can often give the the impression that the height of the Christian life is to be negative all the time. Like the more gloomy you are and the more down you are on your own sin or someone else's, the more holy and righteous that you are. And that the lower you go, the higher you are in the Lord's eyes. Well, there's a lot that can be said on that, but let me just ask you a very simple question. Have you rejoiced today? Like in everything that's going on, all that's going on up until this moment, have you taken a moment to rejoice in this day because God made it? Now, we can often think, because of some of that other stuff, that you know, going along is kind of like what we're supposed to do, but when you rejoice, that's like over and above. You know, you're going on, that's the cake, rejoicing is like the icing. Well, actually, according to this, this is a command. Did you know that not to rejoice in the Lord is a sin? It's actually a sin to not be happy in the Lord. That was convicting for me when I saw this. Have you ever repented of not rejoicing in this day because the Lord has made it? Have you ever come to the Lord and said, Lord, I haven't been rejoicing this day and I want you to forgive me? But you can see how it's sin because it's unbelief. Unbelief is rank sin. And the thing that holds us back from rejoicing in the Lord, the thing that makes our circumstances drag us back down to the ground, or our thoughts when they get carried away with the worries of tomorrow, or the problems and pain of yesterday, the thing that holds us down so much is that we are not believing the truth of who God is and who He said He would be to us. Because the reality of this is, it says, God has made this day that ought to send you rejoicing. Isn't it amazing? He says here, I, I, really, I really like this in verse 14. He says, the Lord is my strength and song. He has become my salvation. Have you ever seen that God wants to make you sing? He wants to make you sing. That's how happy God wants to make you. He wants to put a new song in your heart. And again, this goes back to believing that the loving kindness of God really doesn't ever cease. It never ceases. Have you let yourself rejoice in the Lord today based off the fact that He made it and He made it by the person and work of Christ and because of that work, all of our sins are forgiven and we have a God, we have a Father that is going to control all things and work them together for our good. Let's pray. God, we want to thank you for this day that you've given us. Thank you that you've made it, Lord. It's not random, but you actually made it. And I pray, Lord, you'd help us to rejoice and to be glad in it. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.